0: I'm Katherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Dana Suskind, author of Parent Nation, Unlocking Every Child's Potential, Fulfilling Society's Promise. As the pandemic continues to wreak havoc on our families and the Build Back Better plan is stalled in Congress, many parents feel alone, resourceless, and forgotten. But as Dr. Dana Suskind recently wrote in The Hill, parents have the power to become our nation's strongest special interest group. She proposes we must make healthy brain development our North Star, the organizing principle around which our society is oriented. And we must do so by elevating our expectations for how society supports parents, the first and most important architects of children's brains. She's a world-class pediatric surgeon, social scientist, and best-selling author who has been featured in the New York Times, The Economist, Ford's, NPR, and Freakonomics. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dana Suskind. Dana, as you said, I should call you before the show. Welcome. It's nice to have you on today.
1: Thank you so much. And I want to say... How honored I am to be on the show because my mother and some of my favorite people are social workers. They are the oh. change makers. So thank you for having me. And- well, great.
0: <laughs> well, I'm your social worker with a microphone, so this is your chance to tell us, you know, what obviously what we need to know in parenting. Of course, is critical. I, I you know, I was thinking about this um, in light of what we what I just read in the intro, but it seems to me as a society, we're kind of doing the opposite of what you're proposing and what we need to do. We, uh, parents are taking second, we, we don't give them the support as a society to support their children. So where are we right now? Why aren't we doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that really understanding the context of today, you just need to understand the context of our our nation, and we've always looked at the role of parenting as an individual endeavor. Let me be clear, parenting is an individual endeavor, but with without expectation for any societal support. And I think it comes back to this American individualism idea that, you know, it's like you have to be tough and independent and go it alone, and as a result... It has resulted in a country without any societal supports. But I think that COVID has really shined a light that nobody parents alone and that for parents to be able to be their first and most important brain architect, they need the right context and the right supports. And we are, you know, we're, we provide a vacuum of supports, nothing. So why are we here? It's sort of some of that. And the fact that we've yet to find a way to bring the voices together of parents to really, to push forward change. Um, and uh, that's what this next book is about. How do well, we, and how Dana, do we and Dana, you say raising <laughs>
0: children, uh, I mean, shouldn't, as you just said, shouldn't be a lonely struggle, but a collective responsibility. How did we come to realize that in the context of COVID?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be clear, we've made it hard for parents in this country forever. Um, but COVID-19 really, um, it was like a powerful earthquake, you know, just showing how, how sort of weak our infrastructure supports were. And parents were all of a sudden, you know, expected to be parents, teachers, coaches, therapists and without any support and it was just and is completely unsustainable. So I think we we're getting that wake up call that nobody parents alone but we need to find a way to we we feel a little bit stuck as you mentioned, you know, it felt like we were moving in the right direction and we sort of got stuck, but I think we can get unstuck for sure. Okay. Let's talk
0: about how we can get unstuck because Obviously, you have insight into that, and that's what all your work is about. So, and I know that you have personal stories in your book of extraordinary families, uh, who I assume have been able to do that. So, you know, from a practical point of view,
1: what? How do we get unstuck? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it, you know, no no one individual can unstick it. But I think that the fact of the matter is. I talked to, I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours talking to parents from all different backgrounds, um, from all different racial, ethnic, socioeconomic, uh, educational backgrounds, and what was so clear is that at the end of the day, um, every parent, almost every parent wants exactly the same thing, just to give their kids the best first start, And, and if there would be a way And there is a way, because I'll tell you a bright spot in, in our U.S. history where we've band together. But if there was a way to bring those voices together, both to affect sort of changes in social norms in this country that, you know, parenting, you know, that we start putting children and families at the center and start pushing forward the policies, both, you know, both Governmental, but really, even in employers, we need policy changes across all all different facets of society. We can affect change and it feels like a tall order right now because it, you know we're, we're being told how polarized we are, and there's a lot to show that we are but seeing this unified feeling that all these parents felt I was like you know what this is an opportunity and i looked for bright spots and one of the most inspiring bright spots actually was about half a century ago the poorest most underserved population wasn't parents and children under 5 right because right now children under 5 are the poorest it was the elderly and through coming together through the AARP and the gray lobby to, you know, across socioeconomic, racial, uh, ethnic lines, to advocate for those policies and social norms in this country that benefited everyone, now no age group is better taken care of and supported by society, And, and justifiably, right? They've given so much to society, but as a result, because they were able to bring together their unified voice, it has been transformational. And I think parents can be the same thing for each other right? Um, we all love our children. We are the ones who are going to fight through anything, through against all odds for our children. Well, we need to bring that, those voices together so that society finally starts supporting us.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great example and I, one that we can all understand. And uh, not to uh, you know, just uh, repeat what you said, but yes, when you have a voice. Now the elderly have a voice. now our children and parents have to have a voice, and then public policy we have to change or change public pol- change policy, I guess. And what are some of those policies that we need changing, and uh, you know let's be specific. What do we need to do?:
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I think context is really important. I think many of us don't realize what an outlier we are in this country in terms of the lack of support. So we we spend less on early child care and education than... Any other country, There's a, if, if this were in person, I'd be able to show you this incredible graph. The average in terms of even just childcare across all these developed nations is about $14,000 per year per child. I mean, if you're Norway, okay, you're $29,000. In this country, we spend $500 per year per child. All right, that's just one example. Um, we don't have paid parental and family leave. And every, every other developed nation has this. We, one in four mothers has to go back to work within two weeks of giving birth. I'm just giving you some examples just to show how, how different we are. So what are the, some of the things that we could start doing? Well, we could start in actually investing in, in the early years through uh, mandated paid parental leave, through um, – high-quality, affordable child care, through even this, this child credit that we just had for a year that recently expired. Um, people don't realize that all of these... People ask me, well, how are you going to pay for all of these? The truth is, it's going to be a negative cost. Why? Because these, these policies pay for themselves. Um, investing in the early years has the best return on investment um, of almost any other policies. So even the child credit that people were like, oh my gosh, it costs so much. In fact, you get some recent really excellent economic research show that for every dollar you invest, you get $10 back. Um, And Nobel laureate Jim Heckman uh, Who is a colleague here at the University of Chicago? Showed in general, you get $12 back for every dollar you invest. So these these policies pay for themselves in spade. Plus, you get a much stronger uh, uh, population in the future.
0: What about health care? Because uh, uh, can you talk about health care and yes. health care for mothers and, and children, or for children, or just as in and families, because that too is a good investment. Um, and you get your That's, money back. Uh, so yeah, no. yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, no, exactly. I mean, I come from the healthcare world. You know, obviously, I'm yeah. I'm a pediatric surgeon, and yeah. so and healthcare plays an incredibly important role. It, I always say that to build a parent nation, a nation that actually puts children and families at the center, you need all parts of society to play a role. We've talked about policy, healthcare. You know, uh, plays a huge role both in in supporting mothers and children and fathers um, or any caregiver in the first five years of life, because we, we often think about education and healthy development starting on the first day of school, right? But the truth is learning and human development starts on the first day of life, but you don't have school systems to reach families. Well, the healthcare system is a powerful entry point and really anchor for meeting families where they are, providing them with the the basic information of, you know, early child development and then also making sure they're getting the supports necessary for, you know, this sometimes difficult road of parenting. Parenting is a joy, but let's be clear, you know, raising children isn't, is, you know, can sometimes be complex. And so having the healthcare system there to support families, connect them with other resources is a really powerful and important
0: thing. Yeah. So access to healthcare is key. I mean, uh, I, I think it, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so access to healthcare, changing policies. Talk about some of the personal stories, personal examples, because I, I know you do that, and uh, yeah. kind of real world examples of these innovative parent first programs. Because I think it's critical to really be to put a face on it.
1: Oh, do you want parent stories or the actual pro programs? Well, both. That you're actually, about? yeah. Okay. Talk about, well, yeah, let's, yeah. Let me. Tell you, the, yeah. yeah. Well, because yeah. I think you know, honestly, the parent stories. I, you know, people hear about this book and it sounds policy, but it's actually driven by powerful, inspiring stories of families that I've met along the journey, both uh, as a pediatric physician and as a researcher, um, and really. Each of them, each of the families taught me something new. And I think the biggest sort of thing that we say in this country is parents should have choice, and they should absolutely have choice. Um, but in this country, we really don't give parents almost any choices. And it reminds me of two families that really showed me this. Um, there was a woman star who, you know, whose dream was to be a stay-at-home mom. She grew up in an evangelical home. Um, her mother, her grandmother, everybody in her family stayed home. And when it came to having children, um, her, her husband, who was a student, te- student teacher, didn't have, you know, health care or benefits. And so no, no new mother can live without, you know, Health insurance or a living wage so pretty soon after she had her her first child and her children she had to go to work um and you know thankfully she actually went to starbucks which has great uh parent, parental benefits but here this you know we talk about giving parents choice and this woman who uh, Wanted to stay home for the first three years of life to nurture her children, wasn't allowed that. Um, and to sort of juxtapose that, there was another incredible woman, Talia, who was actually a PhD in, um, in early childhood, uh, sort of in math development. And she actually was at the University of Chicago, had trained at all these hardcore, you know, Stanford, Harvard type places. And she, she, after having her second child, because of the fact that, you know, she was going to find a high-quality childcare environment to put them in, they couldn't afford it. They literally couldn't afford it on her salary and her husband's salary. They would have had to, you know, take out loans. And so she had to actually leave this incredible postdoctoral experience um, to stay, you know. N- to stay home with her children, which, of course, she she loves her children. That's what she wants. But the fact is, is that she wasn't able to have the choice to be a working mom and provide for her children with high-quality environments. So we talk a lot about, you know, parental choice in this country, but I would argue that we give almost no parent's choice. Um, And that's how things, you know, that's how these things need and can change.
0: So... In light of that, so we uh, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, as I see these uh, young women and women are having children or babies in their thirties and they have careers or have already established careers. That's and then at some point they have to decide: uh, I have to, if I stay home, my career is going to go down the tubes, or if I,
1: yeah, yeah, uh,
0: and, and that's a, a big dilemma, I think, for a lot of women um, or a lot of families, and we haven't kind of reconciled that either. I don't know. How that will you know? How we can do that? (laughs) But um, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, no. Well, actually, you're telling that story. Actually, believe it or not, reminds me of my own daughters, uh, who just went into the workforce. Um, And what's so interesting is that one of them, uh, Genevieve, went into tech, and the other, my stepdaughter Annika, went into uh, think tank social policy. And they both told me that the first advice they got from other sort of women about getting ahead wasn't about like getting an advanced degree or networking. It was hold off on having children as long as you can. And I just thought, you know, how it's, it's because we've made it almost impossible, but, you know, I'm, but I think with having uh, not just policies, but uh, employers come to the table, and I actually think corporate America can be a leader in this transformation. They can they can bring the rest of society along because they're they're suffering as well. Um, if we make family, more family-friendly policies in the work in the workplace, right, ripping down this sort of facade that you can either be an ideal worker or a parent and really sort of allowing both to coexist, uh, with flexibility and, um, and with the right policies. I I think it can change and it, it has to change. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think, what do you think about, I mean, all of this, this has been a result of COVID, but for instance, I mean, I have found it really helpful, uh, is that, uh, women and men, but women we're talking about in particular, don't have to do, go um, to work nine to five. That's not You can work two days a week or three days a week and work from home and do a lot of things online. Uh, that's been really helpful in terms of um, some of those decisions that or choices that we've been talking about that women have to make. I, I think that that is a, a whole structural change, I guess, in the way we yeah. work and how we get to work and how we do our work.
1: Yeah, it is, it, it, it's been revolutionary, right? I mean, even yeah. in medicine, we've realized, wow, there are things that we can do not there, right? Telemedicine is in that same way. We're realizing that by giving individuals more flexibility, look, it doesn't mean that you don't do your job. It just, it allows people to sort of balance this issue of being a whole you know having outside uh, responsibilities but bringing your whole self to, to work so i think that this has been a transformational time that will that hopefully will allow allow these you know positive changes to occur so and, and let's face it uh, millennials are talking with their feet you know the the great resignation made it clear that you know things need to Change And women were, you know, of those 4.7 million who, you know, who quit their jobs, m- women led the way. And I'm, I feel pretty confident that childcare issues were a, a huge issue. So um, I think these changes are going to help make it better. And millennials say, look, they're going to work with their feet and they're going to change jobs if there's a, a job with better family-friendly benefits. So, yeah, change has to come.
0: Yeah, we only we only have a few minutes left, so I'd like to get into the personal story, your personal story, because here you are, I'm, as, as somebody who is so accomplished, a woman who is so accomplished, you know, uh, a surgeon, a pediatric surgeon, and amongst all the other things that you do, um, how was it? For, how was it for you? It seems like you raised two great, uh, you know, you have a daughter, a stepdaughter. Um, you're sort of in the throes, still in the throes of it, I assume. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
1: actually, we have eight children now. I, eight? Uh, oh, I, my God. In. <laughs> yeah. oh. No, no but, but I think, listen, I, I, I think well, I'll tell you, I'll share my story, but I think the biggest, most important take home is that none of us do it alone, right? Uh, you know, my ability to bring my full self to work as a physician, as a researcher, and as a mother, happened because I had a huge amount of support, you know, both from family members, you know, nannies. I was, you know, I, was, I feel very lucky. So I think that we need to shine a light. People, you know, that none of us do it alone. I mean, you know, it's, it's critical. And, you know, when I, my, I actually have three biologic children and back in 2012, I lost my first husband, an amazing man. He drowned saving two children from Lake Michigan. And mm-hmm. that experience was, I always say I lost my faith in serendipity, but I, fa- I gained my faith in humanity because at the moment in time when I thought, you know, my whole life was crumbling, I had no idea what was going to happen to myself and my children, my community and my employer, my university, everyone gathered around me and really sort of propped us up so that we could get back on our feet. And that's what I want for every parent in this country. None of us parent you know, life is not a straight straight journey, right? We there are ups and downs. And if we can find better ways to support each and every parent in their incredibly important role of raising our, you know, our future citizens, that would be a game changer, but it can't be left up to chance. Right. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. so lucky, but we need a better structured way to support all families. Um, Uh, But I have to interrupt you because I don't think you were so
0: necessarily lucky as I'm listening to your story and the tragedy and of, of what happened to you and and your husband's death. Uh, We've been talking about what society has to do for families and, and women that's the external support, but you have a way of connecting too, and you've took on that responsibility. It seems to me yourself, you, 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 you get, you sort of, and I I can hear it in your voice. You have this kind of an emotional (laughs) way of bringing people to you and accepting help and getting people on your team.
1: You know, it kind of is,
0: it's a two-way street, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm a daughter of a social worker. Um, <laughs> I have always been so lucky. to I mean, all right, I won't use the word luck, but the be- most people in this country are just beautiful human beings who want the best for their children and other people's children. I think that we need to sort of... Embrace this, come together, you know i I want in some ways this is a love letter I keep saying for parents in this country to give themselves grace, allow them to accept you know not help because only parents can parent their children why you know are, are the the critical brain builders, but you know to come together and make it better for their children, for other people 's children, and for our country and i 'm um, just so thankful that you've you 've allowed me on this wonderful um, um, show and to be able to actually talk about this. So thank you. Well,
0: I think it's been a great interview. We only have a couple minutes left, so I do want you to tell us website and or websites we can go to for more information so people can continue listening to you and reading about you and obviously uh, getting the book. So where do we go?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you go to parentnation.org, you will see not just about the book. We have resources, downloadable free resources in English and Spanish for, for forming your community and for pushing forward change in, in your communities. Please go, go to parentnation.org. I am just one of an incredible team pushing forward this idea that we can, we can push forward change in this country and, um, and support all families and children. Children, so. Great,
0: Dr. Dana Suskind. Great having you on the show. Pa- author of *Parent Nation*: Unlocking Every Child's Potential, Fulfilling Society's Promise. Thank you.
1: Thank, thank you so much.
0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to the Catherine Zox Show.